Fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. As we come together on this Easter Sunday morning, let's come before God in prayer. Lord of life and power, through the mighty resurrection of your Son, you have overcome death and opened the gate of everlasting life. Grant that we, being dead to sin and alive to you in Jesus Christ, may reign with him in glory, who with you and the Holy Spirit is alive, one God, now and forever. Amen. Well, welcome on this Easter Sunday morning to those here in the St. Andrew's building and those watching at home as well. How do we emerge from the lockdown times of life? The illness that has robbed us of sleep, the betrayal that has robbed us of trust, the bereavement that has robbed us of presence. For many this time can feel like a kind of endless Good Friday or Holy Saturday and not really Easter Day. And yet here we are with Holy Week over and wondering if the time of release has come at last. Will life be renewed? Will time, this time, be a time of freedom? Will this be a time of new beginnings Will this be a time of new life? Through the long times of lockdown, we have hovered or labored in a kind of twilight world. Too long in the darkness of the tomb, too long in the half-lights of the garden. The rumors of freedom, the hints of hope, only to be frustrated and left waiting longer. But then the time of Easter comes. The Lord is risen. This is the universal Easter faith, which affirms the objective historical reality of Jesus' resurrection. The tomb was empty. There had been been no adequate explanation, alternative explanation to the resurrection. The Lord was seen And the appearances that are recorded, they don't really fit with what we know of any kind of hallucination. And the disciples, well, they were changed people. Only the resurrection can account for their transformation from doubt to faith, from cowardice to courage, from sorrow to joy. The Lord is risen. And here in our hearts and at home with our voices, we sing and affirm the Easter victory won for us by the Lord Jesus Christ. Thine be the glory, risen, conquering Son.
Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for the great message of Easter. Your awesome triumph over the forces of darkness and the power of evil. We thank you that in what the world counted as defeat, you won the greatest of all victories. That what looked to be a disaster proved to be the most glorious of conquests. In the valley of sorrow and suffering, in the shadow of death, you have demonstrated that God is present, working out his eternal purpose. And for that glorious truth, we thank and praise you. We thank you that the woman arriving at the tomb found their tears turned to laughter. That the disciples on the Emmaus road found confusion turned to faith. That apostles who were trembling behind locked doors found despair turned to confidence. That your people across the centuries and around the world have found sorrow turned to joy. For time and time again you have repeated the Easter miracle. You have supremely demonstrated your purpose in the face of events which seem to contradict it. And in the valley of sorrow and suffering, even in the shadow of death, you have demonstrated that God is present, working out his eternal purpose. And for that glorious truth, we thank you. We thank you for our own experience of your resurrection power. Those occasions when we have cried out from the very depths of our beings and called to you from the pit of despair and discovered not only that you can lift us out, but you were there with us in our need. You were there holding our head above the water, using our experience of adversity to deepen our faith and broaden our understanding. In the valley of sorrow and suffering, in the shadow of death itself, you have demonstrated that God is present, working out his eternal purpose. And for that glorious truth, we thank you. We thank you for the assurance that nothing in heaven or on earth can separate us from your love. That no situation, however dreadful it may seem, is finally beyond your power to redeem. And we rejoice that you hold a kingdom in store for us where all this world's trials and tragedies will be no more. Where we shall dwell forever in the light of your presence. Take then the changes and the chances of this life and help us, whatever we face, to trust that your purpose will triumph over all. For in the valley of sorrow and suffering, in the shadow of death, you have demonstrated that God is present, working out his eternal purpose. And on this Easter Sunday morning, for that glorious truth, we thank you. Amen.
We have a number of people in different parts of the world who surprisingly tune in and, and share in worship with us Sunday by Sunday. And if folks are tuning in from other countries, you might not know that here in Scotland we are in the early days of an election campaign for the Scottish Parliament. And we need to be praying uh, that service to our country will not be eclipsed by personal ambition or by political dogma. We should not be surprised that from time to time the political world seems a bit broken and grubby because it actually just reflects our broken and grubby society. Our parliament here in Scotland is not immune from any of that and neither is the parliament in Westminster. The consequence though is that we face a crisis of public leadership because the love of power affects the human heart and truth, integrity, friendship and character are sometimes sacrificed for its ends. Sadly, these same issues sometimes also affect the church. This year, An article in the press this week said, the clamor for power seems to affect all aspects of life and all tiers of government. What some parts of the European Union mean when they talk of ever closer union parallels those in Westminster who say take back control or with those in Edinburgh who want more power for Holyrood. The common thread seems to be that if only we had more power, things would be better. We each instinctively overtrust ourselves with power underestimating our own capacity for wrongdoing while overly fearing the motives of others. Amid all the pluralism and diversity that people demand these days, what we need is a common narrative to hold us together across our differences. And it's here that the Easter story Indeed, the whole of the gospel makes its vital contribution, for at the heart is the person of Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us that he was entitled to all glory and all power, but he willingly gave it up to reach us. Our Holy Week meditations have come on video from the Gospel of John over the past few days, and it's John who records Jesus washing his disciples' feet, taking the role of servant. Matthew and Mark both record Jesus saying that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. We need a leader who both explicates and embodies these deeply countercultural principles who can challenge our faults, forgive us, and inspire us to be better. Jesus subverts our concept of greatness by enthroning self-sacrificial love as the highest ideal. When Jesus challenges our faults, Jesus forgives us and inspires us to better things. This Easter, some of the followers of Jesus who are Christians serving in Parliament have got together to share the Easter story, and today they bring to us God's Word. This year, more than ever, we need a renewed hope. And with this in mind, members of Parliament and peers from across the political spectrum have come together 
to share the Easter story. We hope you enjoy it. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, Listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was the Son of God. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of the sinners. Be crucified and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed. They saw the Lord. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. When he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the, Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Isn't it good to see our politicians from all these different parties coming together in their shared faith to share with our country the Easter story? Last Sunday, in anticipation of the events of Holy Week, I shared part of the Apostle Paul's letter to the Church of the Corinthians. 
in which Paul emphasized the death and burial of Jesus. But it also comes to us as a very helpful summary of the resurrection appearances on and after the first Easter. Because Paul writes, what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve, and after that to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. These appearances are well documented, and for those of us who are the church, they are well known and read and reflected upon each year. We're told that in the providence of God, the very first person to whom the risen Lord revealed himself was Mary Magdalene. We're not told much about Mary, but we do know that she was a follower of Jesus who stayed at the cross right to the bitter end, and that she followed that funeral cortege to the garden tomb and saw Jesus buried. It was this same woman, Mary, who returned later with others and found the tomb open and the body gone. It was Mary who ran all the way back to where the apostles were staying to alert Peter and John, who in turn raced to the tomb with Mary following. And by the time Mary got back there, they had gone and she was alone. And John gives us two dramatic little cameos. In the first Mary was weeping, especially because she had thought she had lost the only man who had ever treated her with dignity and love and respect. The light was gone from her life. But Jesus had not left her, as she thought. On the contrary, Jesus was there at her side, risen, but she didn't know it. And then John speaks of Mary clinging on to Jesus. And Jesus telling her not to hold on to him because he had not yet ascended. While the disciples were later invited to to touch him, to verify that he wasn't a ghost, Mary was told not to hold on to, not to cling on to him. For she had to learn that she could not resume the old friendship she had enjoyed. But once Jesus had ascended, a whole new relationship would be possible. And then we have the account of two disciples walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, a journey of about seven or eight miles. And though at first they did not realize it was Jesus with them, Jesus appeared to them and opened the scriptures to them and explained to them the teachings about sufferings and the glory that the Messiah would encounter. Sharing an evening meal at the breaking of the bread, a common feature of every meal, then they recognized him and he was gone. And in the upper room, Jesus again appears to the disciples and and gives them an assurance of peace. He gives them a model of mission, a promise of the Holy Spirit, a gospel of salvation. 
And this great commission was to inspire the rest of their lives, for they continued to preach the gospel of salvation with authority, promising forgiveness to those who believed in the war, those who believed, and they gave a warning of judgment to those who refused to believe. So in Paul's summary of the resurrection appearances, he identifies the gospel that was preached by the apostles and received by the Corinthians on which they had taken the standard by which they were being saved. And it concerned the truths of the death and the resurrection of Christ. And these truths are central truths. Of course, there are other truths that are important, such as Christ's virgin birth, his sinless life, his mighty works, his glorious ascension, his continuing reign and his future return. But the death and the resurrection of Jesus, Paul says, are of first importance. They're central truths. They're also historical truths. They're not myths about but they are verifiable historical events. They can be pinpointed on the calendar, as is indicated by the telltale phrase in the Gospels, on the third day. And these truths are also physical truths. That is, Christ died. And to demonstrate the physical reality of his death, he was buried in that tomb. And then he arose and demonstrated the physical reality of his resurrection. He was seen. And Paul lists appearances to, to individuals and to groups of people. As already pointed out, there were other appearances as well. And these four events, Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection, and his appearances, they must have been equally physical. That is, the Jesus who was raised and seen was the same Jesus who had died and was buried. The resurrected and the transfigured body of Jesus was just the first bit of the material universe to be redeemed. And it's a pledge that one day the whole of life will be renewed and transformed. And these truths are also biblical truths, for they took place according to the Scriptures. And they were witnessed by the prophets of the Old Testament and the apostles of the New. An encounter with the risen Lord was an essential allocation for being an apostle, and that's why Paul speaks of Jesus appearing to him as to one abnormally born. It happened at another time. And these truths are theological truths. They are events of huge godly significance. For we deserve to die for our own sins, but Jesus died our death instead of us. How great is his love! The death and the resurrection of Jesus central, historical, physical, biblical, theological truths. These things constitute the gospel. 
These foundations are the essential truths recorded in Scripture, taught by the apostles, on which our faith is built and through which the church reaches out to the world, empowered by the Holy Spirit to bring many people to saving faith in the same Lord Jesus Christ. And you and I, we continue the mission of the church to share the gospel in obedience and to fulfill the commission of Christ the Lord who is risen today. And so the journey from creation to Christ, from Christmas to the cross, reaches its alleluia. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, in this world where hopes and dreams are so often dashed, where these dreams are so often broken, we remember today the faith in the future that you brought to so many, both through your coming and through your resurrection from the dead. Lord Jesus, where faith has died and dreams have faded, may hope flower again. We remember how Mary and Joseph looked forward to the day of your birth, how the shepherds and the magi caught their breath in wonder as they knelt before you, how the hearts of Anna and Simeon leapt in anticipation, and how your disciples and the crowds that flocked to hear you gave thanks, convinced that you were the Messiah, the one God had long promised the long-awaited deliverer come to set them free. <coughs> Lord Jesus, where faith has died and dreams have faded, may hope flower again. And we remember how that vision of the future was shattered by events to follow. Your pain, your humiliation, suffering and death. Hope ebbing away as the lifeblood seeped from your body, an end to their dreams, an end to everything. Lord Jesus, where faith has died and dreams have faded, may hope flower again. And then we remember how from that first Easter morning, the news spread that the tomb was empty, the stone rolled away, your body gone, and how despite it all, your followers could scarcely bring themselves to hope, afraid to take the risk of faith in case they should face the heartache of losing you once more. Lord Jesus, where faith has died and dreams have faded, may hope flower again. But we remember finally how you appeared in all your risen glory in the garden, in the upstairs room, on the Emmaus Road, by the Sea of Galilee, and the dream was born again, the smoldering embers of faith rekindled. Lord Jesus, where faith has died and dreams have faded, may the hope flower again. For the world is waiting and hurting and longing and searching for hope, crying out for meaning, hungry for some reason to believe in the future. So come again in your living power and bring new life to all. 
Lord Jesus, where faith has died, where dreams have faded, may hope flower again to the glory of your name. And we join our hearts and our voices as we pray, as you taught your friends and your followers to say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
It's been great to have so many here in person this Easter day. And after the Easter holiday period, we look forward to even more people being able to come together as well as joining our services online. Over the coming weeks, we'll continue to reflect on the theme of Easter in our online services, including services which are part of the moderator's visit to our own presbytery. Normally, the moderator would be coming around and, and seeing congregations and seeing what's going on, but we're having to do things a bit differently. So we'll be all sharing in, in a service later in April with the moderator. One uh, rather uh, sad for us, but uh, glorious for him announcement for our congregation is the death of Seth Finlay, who died last Wednesday in hospital. Um, Sess was, was ready to meet his maker. He, he was assured of his faith. Um, but we want to uphold uh, Irene and the boys and the rest of the family in our thoughts and prayers, especially this Resurrection Sunday. As we go from here, we'll have the blessing and then a final hymn and some music then to, to go out to. So may the blessing of God the ever-living Son, the ever-active Holy Spirit, the descend upon you and remain with you this Easter and forevermore. Final song, and there's the music to go out to.